0: So, there are various emotions that people have that I think are all kind of related, and most of them have to do with kind of how we process either present circumstances or concern for the future. And so we're going to talk about worry, which is genuinely kind of an ongoing uh, anxiety concerning the future and being troubled by that and Some of us may even last night have lost sleep. I have unsaved sons who sometimes, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm concerned for them and problems with them. Uh, There's fear. Uh, Actually, one of the famous fears is fear of public speaking, which is not my particular fear, but I've got others. And uh, fear of crowds, different kinds of phobias. There's people who have obsessive compulsive disorder where they're afraid of germs. Uh, You saw during COVID, people had a lot of different fears. Uh, Again, fear and worry are very much overlapping. And I'm not going to talk about these others, but I think it's all related. Anger can be another reaction to circumstances where uh, the thing I wanted to happen didn't happen. The thing I'm worried about or feared came upon me. And I'm angry at the people who made it happen or tempted sinfully to be angry with God. And then there's depression. Uh, sadness over uh, things not being the way I wanted them to be and actually disappointment in circumstances can often the person who's depressed and angrier they're all kind of uh, they can all come together in those reactions to the same things uh, dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, famous preacher in the mid 20th century probably the greatest preacher in the English language in the 20th century Uh, wrote a book called spiritual depression and he had a principle that he took from psalm 42 that he applied to depression that i'm going to apply to worry and to fear and he took psalm 42 and in psalm 42 and 43 he says it's not depression i'm not going to go through that today but in the psalm basically the psalm complains and laments and then he urges himself to trust in the lord then he complains and laments then he urges himself to trust in the lord That in Psalm 43, he does the same thing. And this is a phrase maybe some of you have heard, but I think it's really profound and helpful as we deal with all these different emotions. And that is, his statement was, we need to stop listening to ourselves and we need to start talking to ourselves. And what he means is that your mind on kind of autopilot drifts into worry and to fear. And you start fearing about your finances. And there are all kinds of things people can be worried about. Am I going to get into the school I wanted to get into? Am I going to get my paper done on time and is my business going to be okay you know all the things what about my kids what about my health Caroline's counseled women who lived in great fear of getting cancer and they didn't have cancer maybe somebody in their family had cancer but they were obsessed with that it was affecting their health and so uh, in John eight forty four, Jesus talks about he's rebuking the Jews who were condemning him says you are your father the devil and he he's a murderer from the beginning and he's the father of lies Satan destroys us with lies and the way to battle the lies is with the truth of the Word of God and so that that's the battle that's going on now one of the things, preliminarily is that I have articles here that every one of these things anger worry depression fear every one of these they will give you pills Uh, to take I'm not saying you're not allowed to take psychotropic drugs I'm saying that in many cases the Bible speaks to these as spiritual issues and I have an article about all the things people do about anxiety and they get cognitive behavioral therapy talk therapy not based on the Bible and there are different medications and if you're on those medications I'm not judging you and since I'm not a doctor maybe you have some health condition that makes those helpful to you but generally speaking, these are spiritual issues that the Bible very specifically addresses. And you know, the Bible doesn't address what do you do if you have cancer. You know, in a specific, I mean, it would be in a general sense the Bible is sufficient, doctors are valid, our bodies are fallen, and we need to understand these things. But if someone's dealing with worry, fear, depression, or anger, this is like when the, in the wheelhouse of what the Bible is addressing. And it's addressing the temptation we have in our thinking to believe Satan's lies. And, to, and and so we need to be able to combat it with the truth. And I've made up several cards. Hopefully all of you got one of these. Everybody get one of these or we did we run out? Everybody get one? I hope so. Okay. And there, there was some more I brought that maybe the ones you printed run out. So I've created several of these cards and I gave Jake. There are six of them I have all together. So if somebody needs one, he has some for you. That there's one on depression or sadness. We're going to focus on the one that deals primarily with worry, but it touches upon fear. Is that something that created the cards for is that when we're having the spiritual battle, I think Ephesians 6 talks about spiritual warfare. And when you're lying in bed at night... And you're concerned about your health or your kids or your grades or your business or being laid off, and and your mind is racing, and it's going into places of unbelief, it's going into places that are just doing you harm. That this is something that is the truths to answer the lies you're tempted to believe. We're tempted to believe that God doesn't care about us. We're tempted to believe that. Everything is going to be catastrophic we're 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 tempted to fear the very worst possible things could happen and so this is focusing on i'm going to deal some with both fear and worry, but this is just foc- this is primarily focusing on on worry and it's trying to give answers from the scripture. The Bible equips us for every good work psalm nineteen says the the law of the Lord restores the soul it revives us it it gives us wisdom it's it's a great blessing now. One thing I should also mention is that worry is not always, in every way, sinful. Uh, In the passage we're going to focus on, in Matthew chapter 6, one of the passages we'll be focusing on, in verse 34, Jesus says, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. And some people can go to the other extreme, where... You're unemployed and you're not able to make rent, and you just lackadaisically say, Well, no big deal. I just trust God to prepare for me, provide for me. You ought to be a bit concerned. Then there's some people who, you know, you haven't started on your paper yet, and it's due Monday morning, and oh, well, it'll be fine. The Bible says there's a proper concern day by day, not to worry about tomorrow, but we're to be concerned day by day with the trouble that God has given us today. Uh, Caroline is an expression, actually she uses it again to correct me sometimes, don't borrow trouble, don't borrow tomorrow's trouble, but we should give our energy to today's concern. So there's a proper concern. In 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 11, when Paul is describing all the terrible things that I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been, all these horrible things, he said "On, on top of all that, more than anything else, is my daily concern for the churches. And this word concerned is the same word elsewhere translated worry. And Paul as an apostle says, you know, I'm concerned that these churches that I've poured my blood, sweat, and tears into, that they would fall away. And he writes in his epistles sometimes like, I was so eager to hear how you're doing. So it's not that we should be completely unconcerned. And so, well, you know, how do we distinguish? And the card basically follows two passages And first is Matthew chapter 6, and basically, so it's don't worry, be holy, so on the don't worry side, it's walking through Matthew 6 as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and even getting the context here is that you realize what they're worrying about is not what we're worrying about, right? I mean, not many of us are worrying about where the next meal is coming from, or whether we will have clothes to wear. They lived in a much more impoverished situation than we've ever experienced. And yet we still have worries that are just as real and affecting us just as much. So I'll begin reading in verse 25, Matthew 6. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or you will drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? So that's the first point on the card. Worry is senseless. That, And yesterday morning I talked about from the Bible how understanding what it means for God to be Father. And he says, God is your Father. <laughs> and our, your Father is providing for birds and for fields and he provides for them generously. You're not just an animal or grass. You're his child. And if God is your father, it's senseless to think that he would not take care of you. And so, again, it's going to get to faith, which we're, we're coming to. And so it's senseless because you have a father who, who knows what you need. He's going to take care of you. And then the same idea is actually in verse 31 and 32. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Uh, You know, we have parents here. You would be kind of sad if your children were staying up all night worrying whether they were going to get breakfast. Worrying whether you were going to buy them the clothes they need. You would want to say, I want them to trust that we will take care of them as their parents and course as parents God has infinitely more resources than we do we can want to do things and we may not always accomplish it, but God who controls everything is taking care of us and then the next point is in verse 27 and which of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life which means worry is useless it doesn't do any good anyway right it, it drains you it actually takes away the energy you have to address the problem uh, I work with students in our seminary and uh, spending lots of energy worrying about the paper that's due and all these other matters takes away from the energy to actually write the paper. And so it it doesn't do any good. And the the literal language in some of the old translations, who by worrying can add a single cubit to his lifespan as if your life is marked out. And uh, Caroline's brother, when he was in high school, Caroline's family is unusually short and he was obsessed about being short. And so he, this is before the internet, but he decided he was going to lengthen himself. <laughs> and so he's doing these stretching exercises, something he's doing on his bed to make his spine extend. And it, the whole thing was ridiculous, right? Uh, you're, you can't make yourself any longer that way. But he said, nor can you extend the lifespan you have. And it's, it's senseless. It doesn't do any good. Uh, there's uh, Dr. Mayo, the Mayo Clinic, had written about all the health effects. It, it not only does it do no good, it does harm. It, it damages various systems in the body. But then the most important reason uh, why that's kind of leading up to this is in verses 28 to 30. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, how they do neither, neither toil nor spin, Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And that's where this kind of hits hard. Worry is faithless. That it's not trusting God. And, and part of this, and this is like in Romans 8, if, if God gave his own son for you, don't you think he'll do everything else? If he gave his son to death for us to save us and to redeem us and has given us life by his spirit and now his spirit fills us, can't we trust him for the needs of our life? Can we trust him? Now, that doesn't mean you won't get sick or you won't have financial trouble, but can you trust God to take you through those things? I was reading this morning in Philippians 1 where Paul is in prison and he doesn't know if he's going to live as Christ to die as gain, but his confidence is that whatever happens it will be to the glory of God. Whether I live or die, God will be with me in it. And so, worry is questioning God's care for you. It's not trusting in his sovereignty. And so, again, that's why it's dangerous. And worry can become life-dominating. It can become obsessive. And back to kind of the use of the card is, for me, and this will be in various areas, again, the reason we made these cards, just a tool. You can do it without a card. But part of the card is it's hard to focus when your mind is all over the place. And so, okay, yeah. I'm going to remind myself of these things. I'm going to read these passages and I'm going to put out the, the flames of worry, the tension of worry by going back to the truth of the word of God. My flesh is lying to me. Satan is yeah. the liar wants to destroy me. And and the only answer is the scripture. Yeah. I'm going nowhere without that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I <laughs> okay, well, pastor said he was had high expectations for yes. this talk. Yes. So <laughs> I was kind of worried whether I would disappoint him. So we, anyway, the, the other side of the card is the positive side is what do we do to fight worry? And I'm going to go mostly to Philippians 4, a very famous passage. And I realize for many of you, a reminder, Second Peter, Paul, Peter says, I'm writing these things by way of reminder. I don't expect you to get anything new out of this but we need to be reminded over and over again because our flesh and the devil keeps lying to us. So what are you to do? Okay, uh, verse six, be anxious for nothing, but by every, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, when you're worried, you lack peace. The Bible says here's something you can do that will give you the peace you lack. And we think, well, peace will come when the problem's solved. There's some problems. I mean, my, my kids have been lost for about 20 years. They're 41 and down. Um, but they've been lost, actually, for 41 years. I've known they were lost <laughs> for the last 20 years. Um, but to be able to gain this peace, well, what I will be anxious for nothing. That's also a command that worry can be sinful because we're not trusting God. Then what do I do? Well, and he kind of empties the thesaurus of all the words for prayer, prayer, supplication, that were to, and I think part of the supplication is we're to ask specifically, that Lord save them, Lord give me peace, so rather than just saying Lord help, which is not always a bad prayer, but just what specifically are you asking God for, and that's again in Philippians 1, I appreciate Paul's concern wasn't just that he get out of prison, his concern was that whether he lives or dies, God will be glorified in his life or in his death. Give me faith to trust you in this. Give me faith if COVID does destroy my business or if this other thing that I'm tempted to be, if I do get sick or we were yesterday with a relative who has cancer and I don't know whether she's going to live or die. I don't know how long she might live. So it's not just a prayer take. I mean, it's fine to pray to take away the cancer, but it's also... We're all going to... it's appointed a man once to die, Hebrews 9. And so to pray that I will be strengthened spiritually to have peace no matter what God brings. Um, you know, I'm getting to the age... I just became a senior citizen. And I find myself... I can't remember names. And so I'm thinking, am I getting dementia? And I could worry about that. And But if I get dementia, may I be a godly dementia person. <laughs> I didn't want to say demented, but... Um, so he prays specifically, casting your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Now one aspect of Philippians 4 which is so profound is it says with thanksgiving while you're praying. Now sometimes when you're tempted to be worried, thanksgiving is kind of the last thing that occurs to you, right? You were praying because you're in a trial, I don't like the trial. Uh, I think thanksgiving is a huge part of fighting worry. And I see some of this in the Psalms. When David is in trouble and he's surrounded by enemies and when Israel has all these problems around them, what they often do is look back to the past and recall God's past faithfulness. And of course, the, Egypt is usually the big thing And the Exodus is that, you know, in spite of the fact this great army was arrayed against us and we had nothing, God swallowed them up in the Red Sea and delivered us. And, and we can look back both at God's faithfulness in Scripture, how again and again He's delivered His people. And as you read through the Scriptures and you see in the Psalms and in the history of the Bible how God has been so good to His people, but also we have in our own lives. And I'll sometimes do that for people, like couples having financial troubles. We'll say, okay, you've been married 30 years. Is this the first time you've had financial trouble? No. Okay. How did God help you before? Recall. The hardest times in your life. Recall the times you were tempted to be worried and despairing, and you'll know, be at the worst personal crisis, the worst financial crisis, the time somebody you trusted betrayed you or left you. How God sustained you then. How God has even blessed you since then. And so, as we're thankful for how God has been faithful in the past, that strengthens our faith to endure in the present. And so, Remember God's past faithfulness, both in your life and in uh, the lives of others in the past. And then uh, Philippians, continuing in verse 8, is finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And this gets back to, and again, I don't know if my experience is universal, I've had some confirmation is when something's really bugging me, and often I'm lying awake in bed, it is a great struggle to get it out of my mind. You ever had that problem? Like, I know I shouldn't be thinking about this. Well, Philippians 4:8 is giving me part of the answer. That's back to stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. As long as I'm lying there and letting my brain go on its own, I'm gonna keep spinning. And so what do I do? Well, I read the scriptures, I've memorized scripture. Sometimes in my bed, I'm going through passages I know. Psalm 103 is one that I often repeat to myself. I go through the Lord's Prayer sometimes in my heart, kind of phrase by phrase thinking about it, that I need to pull my mind out of the whirlpool of the worry and the way to do it, the rope to grab onto and get out of there is truth from Scripture. So I need to answer the lies with truth. And the description there is lovely. Even this verse is well worth memorizing in terms of you know, is what I'm thinking true, honorable, right, pure? So I, I dwell on those things. And then there's one more on the fighting worry side. And that is pursue the calling God has given you. Worry takes you away from your calling. And this, I'm going to go back to Matthew 6, 34, actually, because I've already read it, but I think it's, you know, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself Every day has enough trouble of its own. And so worry about that which comes later can keep you from doing what God would have you to do today. And there's a legitimate concern. And I'm going to give you an example with my students, and the way I use it with them, is that for a student, they may have, "I've got to read this, I've got to prepare for an exam, and I've got to write a paper," and it's kind of just swirling in their head and is overwhelming. And I will add this actually to Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to advantage and he who is hasty comes to poverty. But you say, okay, today I'm going to work on the paper and I'm, tomorrow I'm going to plan to work on the reading. and The day after that, I'll prepare for the exam. So when I'm working on the paper, I'm not going to think about the exam. I'm not going to worry about the exam. Well, I'm, the next day when I'm doing the reading, I'm not going to think about the the exam and the paper and... And so you you devote your energy, your thought, to what God has you doing now instead of being all over the place. And that goes back to the famous verse in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So you pursue the calling that God has given you. You seek, and part of it is to see that whatever you're doing is God's calling. You're not just called by God if you're a missionary or pastor. You're called by God as a student to do so to the glory of God. You're called... If you work at Chick-fil-A or Walmart or Amazon or a lawyer, doctor, whatever it is, is to pursue what God does want you to do. So it's not worry, isn't getting rid of worry isn't just kind of emptying your brain. It's actually pursuing that which God has given you to do. And Philippians 4.9 confirms that. The things you've learned, received, and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, just sitting around, lying around, and being consumed with your thoughts uh, isn't accomplishing anything, it's draining you. And so it can be what, in my understanding, what is God's calling on my life right now? And that's where my energy is going to go. So, that's the short version of that. Fear is very much related. I don't have a card for that yet. (laughs) Uh, I have six cards. That Those of you who weren't here over the weekend, my biblical counseling joke is when I started biblical counseling in the early 90s, we tried to get people to read books. They wouldn't read the books. We've written many books. They won't read the many books. I give them cards, and now maybe they'll use the card. Um, And for some of you, actually, who do struggle with depression, there's one on that that's here are the lies I'm tempted to believe. Here is truth from the Word of God that can answer those lies. It's an exemplary card. In general, with these mental struggles we have, I think that principle of answering lies with truth. But again, fear, like worry, uh, has some nuance to it in that fear is not necessarily sinful. In the beginning of Proverbs it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a verse that I often recite to myself is First Corinthians ten, twelve where Paul says, be careful if you think you stand, lest you fall. Thank you. That there's a sense in which if I'm beginning to indulge even mentally in sin, that should terrify me. Does that make sense? There's, I should fear evil. I should fear my own flesh. And if I see my flesh going towards the deeds of the flesh that could destroy me, And I've had times, I've been scared to death of what my mind thought and what my heart might have been attracted to. And so, that's an appropriate fear. Um, Let's see, Proverbs 14, 26. I haven't marked out all of these yet. Yeah, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life, verse 27. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. So, Now, to fear God is not to be terrified He's going to throw lightning bolts at you, but it's to have an awesome respect for Him. And there is a sense in which we should revere Him, and there's a sense in which as His people, we know if we sin, He will chastise us and He will discipline us, and that is not something we would like to experience if we can avoid it. Um, So, uh, Another passage, I guess, would be like Numbers 32, 23. Behold, your sin will find you out. That There's an appropriate fear if you're playing with sin to be concerned of the consequences. Galatians 6, 7. What a man sows, this he will reap. So there are appropriate fears. And even in terms of safety, like I have a bit of a fear of heights. Uh, I have done some, when I was in my 40s, I did some pretty grueling hikes uh, in the sierras in california where or actually going up half dome where you're at this sharp angle clinging to cables well i was terrified of falling thousands of feet down into the yosemite valley which meant i hang on i hung onto those cables that the the little chain links were like embedded into my hands by the time i got done with that experience and if you go to the grand canyon and you know i'm the guy that wants to be up four feet away from the edge <laughs> not right on it and so fear is not always a bad thing and yet there can be wrong kinds of fear or destructive kinds of fear Um, and I guess in summary mode where I see fear as being especially dangerous is when fear keeps us from fulfilling the calling that God has given us in life and the the examples in Scripture. Uh, Proverbs twenty eight one, and I had Proverbs twenty two thirteen. So Proverbs twenty two thirteen. The sluggard says, "There's a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets." That's probably a fake fear, but like I can't go work because I may be, uh, you know, eaten by a lion. Um, one of the great fears maybe the greatest fear many people have is the fear of man proverbs 29:25 the fear of man lays a snare but the one who trusts in god will be exalted galatians 1:10 paul talking about his own ministry says am i trying to please men or am i trying to please god and if i were trying to please men you know everything would be different to paraphrase and so overcoming the fear of man means we have to make the fear of God bigger. And to be able to, and really the summary would be when we're afraid of what people will think of us, when we're afraid to disappoint somebody, um, we need to realize that I need to be more concerned with pleasing God than pleasing people. And sometimes I need to be willing to bear up under the consequences of that. And so, and I guess, thinking of an example of that, where you're in college and you have friends that you knew from high school and they're going out bar hopping or something and they want you to come and you don't have to drink just come hang out with us and you want them to accept you you don't want to be isolated from them but you may think okay i don't think that's what god wants me to do and so i'm not going to allow the fear of man to cause me to do something that would not be pleasing to god even if it may cost me in the short term Another aspect of fear, and some of this is what people have talked about, obsessive-compulsive disorder or fear of other matters. I'll give you a true story, actually, that I had a student uh, 15, 20 years ago who had a terrible fear of flying. And he just would not get into an airplane. And actually, I I could be tempted to boast and say that I had a counselee one time who had a fear of flying, and now he's a pilot. (laughs) And it's actually a true statement. But I don't get much credit because here's what happened: is this guy, who was a single guy, met a girl online who lived on the other side of the country, <laughs> and his desire to meet her was greater than his fear of flying. And but in some of the things, some of the fears that people have, Caroline's <laughs> counseled women who were afraid to drive, and you'll know, meet people and and. Again, there may be physiological things in the brain with some people who are dealing with obsessive-compulsive disorder. But, you know, always washing hands. And uh, we had a lady who was afraid to use a toilet that she herself hadn't cleaned in her own house, which kind of kept her no more than an hour from home home at any given time, and she couldn't work. And to me, a lot of the answer to that is that it would be better. I, By the way, I could not promise her she wouldn't, she had had an experience, she believes, with a toilet seat in college where she got something and that's why she was afraid to ever use another toilet seat again that wasn't her, under her control. That she wanted control and she wanted safety. Which I think, are, by the way, those are kind of the roots of the problem. And the fact of the matter is God is in control, not you. And I can't promise you perfect safety. I can't promise you that if you drive, you won't get into a crash I can't promise you that if you go to work you won't get COVID or even that you won't die if you do the you know do whatever it is I can't you know, I'm not all-knowing I'm not all-powerful and neither are you but I can say that if if God's calling in your life is to work then it's better to live with what you may fear of being around people and getting sick or you know whatever the the fear may be Again, The fear of the Lord and the desire to please Him overcomes some of the fears that we have. Does that make sense? And so people deal with all these different things. I I would even say public speaking. Okay, well, somebody's afraid, but then they've been asked to give their testimony. And so you might say, well, the opportunity to serve and please God by giving my testimony, I'll trust He will help me in this scary situation to honor Him. And, And some people are completely debilitated by fear so fear becomes sinful when it keeps us from fulfilling the calling that god has given us in the parable of the talents in matthew 25 um, you remember there's the guy with five talents and you know ten talents and but the one who was a total failure um, is the guy that said in verse 24 now the one who had received the one talent came up and said master I know you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed and I was afraid and I went away and hid your talent in the ground see you have what is yours and so his fear of inappropriate fear of his master kept him from doing his duty which was to use the talent he'd been given to make more and so When you're dealing with a fear, the question to try to fight it as a believer would be, even if this is scary for me, is this what God has called me to do? And then to move forward trusting him. And then where fear can become sinful is you neglect your duty, or some people will try to manipulate and control others to overcome their fear. So how do you fight fear? Again, there's not a card for this yet. But it's you know, remembering who God is, remembering uh, his faithfulness to us. And you know, so the psalmist says, I will not fear. And again, there's so many of these in the psalm. And they had real stuff to fear, by the way. We live relatively secure lives. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, the very help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though the though its waters roar in form, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Okay. By the way, it doesn't say we will not fear because God makes everything stable. <laughs> like things are about as unstable as they could be, but God is so trustworthy. And then what Jesus says also is don't fear those who would kill the body, but fear him who would destroy both body and soul in hell. And that the greatest fear that anyone ought to have is the fear of the wrath of God. That has been turned aside by the propitiatory work of Christ who Bore the wrath of God on our in our place, and therefore we're safe from that which is most fearful. And then I often use, you know the most famous Psalm is Psalm 23, and because of time I obviously can't do the whole thing, but there's a favorite little part to me in Psalm 23, and that is when we're going through really difficult times and frightening times, and you know what's going to happen. And we often talk to people who just Kind of like Job said, the thing I feared has come upon me. You know, really, there's no promise of a life without difficulty. Uh, the fact that God is our shepherd and he cares for us. And, but the verse that strikes me is verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so what it's saying is, even, even though I am in a very scary place, and probably some of you are very scary places, it says God is still with you. Even if you don't feel it sometimes. Even if you're tempted to wonder. The Bible says God is with you in the deepest, darkest valley you'll ever experience. To remember that. Another thing I like about it is you're not lying down in the valley of show to death. You're walking through it. It's a temporary place. God is going to lead you out of it. And so it's overcoming our fear of the terrifying circumstances with Trust in God, who is our shepherd. Um, and then those who are trusting God, you know, the righteous are as bold as a lion uh, because we know He is sovereign and He is in control. So I've run out the clock. So you fear not, worry not, answer the devil's lies with truth from Scripture.